Welcome to Newspoint 360, the online news platform dedicated to making space for credible expert commentary. To see full video interviews with our guests, check out our new channel on YouTube. Newspoint 360 is supported by Expert File. According to scientists, climate change should be the front page story for years to come. And it should have been for years already. But if you look at the headlines recently, you'd never know it. Why aren't we seeing the importance of climate change in news coverage? And what are the responsibilities of journalists who are covering the most important issue of a generation? Dr. Bruno Takahashi is an associate professor and research director at the Knight Center for Environmental Journalism at Michigan State University. Newspoint 360 speaks to him about what we should be seeing in climate change coverage. News media organizations face a daily challenge when it comes to determining the stories that ultimately reach the public. But are we falling far short when it comes to coverage of critical environmental issues? Dr. Bruno Takahashi is Associate Professor of Environmental Journalism and Communications at Michigan State University. He's the Research Director of the Knight Center of Environmental Journalism and an expert in media coverage of environmental affairs and the links between media and policy. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Takahashi. Thank you, Sharon, for the invitation. Happy to be here. This season alone has seen several major environmental disasters from hurricanes to wildfires. What are some of the biggest myths surrounding them right now, and how are those perpetuated? Um, the coverage of uh, issues such as wildfires, such as um, hurricanes and other natural hazards are oftentimes connected to larger um, climatic changes. Uh, so when we talk about many of these um, particular hazards, media um, organizations tend to make that link uh, almost immediately. It wasn't the case maybe 10 years ago, but we see it much more often uh, nowadays. Now, I'm not saying that there's no link, but I'm saying that it's very difficult to attribute a specific uh, event to climate change. Uh, so uh, journalists have to be very careful in making those um, connections. It's important to put, it, put them into context, but, but saying that one particular wildfire was caused by climate change, it could be, could be problematic. There, there are a lot of scientific uncertainties, a lot of unknowns that we need to take into consideration before being able to make those links. But that's one of the things that certainly um, journalists have to be careful and, and not perpetuate those, those myths. Um, the other thing that um, journalists need to keep into consideration is that um, single studies that are produced by scientists typically um, are part of a larger body of research. And journalists tend to sometimes, in occasions, um, miss that point. And, and therefore, a study that might uh, find a, a relationship between two factors uh, might, might not fit within the larger scope of research in a particular area. Uh, again, going back to the example of hurricanes, there's still a lot of um, research being done trying to examine that uh, connection between hurricanes and climate change. Some evidence suggests that uh, the level of, of uh, damage that we're experiencing in the United States due to hurricanes has increased. Um, part of that is because um, populations are growing, wealth is growing, therefore the property that, that is damaged and destroyed, it's more costly. Now, uh, sometimes that is used as an example of, of climate change exacerbating hurricanes. But there's also evidence that suggests that the intensity and the frequency of those hurricanes have not changed dramatically in the last several decades. 
so there is quite a bit of research that needs uh, needs to be done still to be able to make those connections and and we need to try to as as journalists and people in the media need to be careful in how do make we make those connections based on maybe a single study or, or based on incomplete uh, understanding of a, of a research area. Well, how typically does mainstream media address rumors, myths, inaccuracies? Um, that's a very important question nowadays. It's very difficult for news media to navigate the current um, media environment. And we talk about this current media environment as a highly pollutant, polluted media environment. Uh, which means that we no, no longer have uh, news organizations telling us what are the important issues happening around the world or in our communities, but we have a variety of different stakeholders um, uh, and voices uh, in this same e ecosystem, uh, whether they are uh, blogs or uh, YouTube channels or um, uh, the, uh, other forms of communications, uh, social media, for example, is a big one. Uh, and so journalists need to navigate this, this eco ecosystem very carefully uh, because one of the big issues that we see today is that uh, many, many uh, people do not differentiate between trusted media sources, news sources, and other forms of communication or information. Uh, so journalists are in this position where they have to somewhat try to reinvent themselves and reposition themselves in a way that that makes them um, more visible and more trusted. And, and we know right now the level of trust uh, among the American public is up for media organizations, at least the mainstream media, is fairly low. Uh, so journalists need to be careful in, in how they present their, their, their information, their facts, take into consideration that there might be other forms of truths out there and facts that are presented that might uh, run counter to what they are saying. So it's a very uh, delicate balance uh, for journalists to, to try to make. Well, without question though, the biggest questions surrounding environmental coverage have to do with the impact of climate change. It's been called the biggest story of our time and yet studies show that far less, that it receives far less coverage than even entertainment stories. So have pervasive attitudes become entrenched in the media and how does that impact our understanding of climate change? That's a great question, Sharon. Now, coverage of climate change uh, really started um, in the late 80s when um, uh, Professor Hansen from NASA, Dr. Hansen from NASA testified in, the, uh, in front of the US Senate. Uh, since then, the coverage has gone up and down, up and down, depending on specific uh, events. So for instance, during hurricane season uh, in the last few years, we see more coverage because of that connection that I mentioned earlier. Uh, we also see uh, spikes of coverage, peaks of coverage during the uh, during November and December when the Conference of the Parties of the United Nations gathered together to discuss um, plans for uh, global plans for to combat climate change. So we we can expect when to when to see uh, quite a bit of coverage uh, during presidential elections, for example, and we have one coming up in a few weeks. Uh, it, at least in the last one in 2016, climate change was not part of the of the larger discussion. Was not really an issue in the in, in the in the agenda, the presidential uh, election agenda. Uh, there are fears that this coming election will also miss climate change, despite again, as you mentioned, uh, being the biggest story of our of our generation. Uh, part of the of the reasons why we see uh, climate change missing from the agenda is, is related to a lot to perceptions within media, but also perceptions of uh, among. Uh, uh, the audiences across the country. So if the issue is not perceived as important by the population, um, news media might not want to pick up on, the, on that topic because there might be a perception that other issues are more important. 
and, and it, it is of course a feedback loop. Um, so if media do not see that, um, that interest among audiences, they're not gonna cover it. If audiences do not see the issue being covered in the media, they are gonna, they're not gonna think it's an important issue. But uh, the, the events that we're seeing, the extreme weather events that we're seeing uh, today and the predictions that we are hearing from scientists suggest that this should be front page news in every news, in, in news outlet um, for, for the next several years. Uh, of course, media um, tend to favor certain issues over, over others, depending on, on the news values that they ascribe to, uh, which is of course the, the main reason why the uh, pandemic is uh, front page news. But, it, but we also saw the pandemic dropping from, from that status uh, with the Black Lives Matters movement a few months ago. So it's very cyclical and dependent on, on a lot of external factors. Um, uh, and climate change has certainly suffered from that across, across time. Well, they, there are two sides to every story, but what are the impacts of exploring both sides of a debate when it is the environment that is at stake? And that's, that's a great, uh, another great question. And um, we've seen throughout the, throughout the years, um, again, going back to the issue of climate change, which I think it's the most, the most polarizing issue that the scientific evidence suggests in, in communication suggests climate change is the most polarizing issue in the United States. Uh, we see that um, the research looking at content, the media content shows that journalists use this, this norm of balanced reporting, which is what we teach our students in our journalism schools. Right, you you got to have at least two sides to the story, at least two sources, if not more. Um, now, the issue with that is that in the case of climate change and, and many other scientific issues, the scientific uh, community overwhelmingly presents evidence that suggests that um, there is a relationship. So there is a consensus. So that's what we call a scientific consensus. In the case of climate change, um, some studies suggest that the level of consensus among scientists, and, and these are climate scientists, by the way, it's around 97, 98%. Uh, so that would suggest that um, presenting the other side would be somewhat a, 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 a form of false balance. Uh, some of the research shows that uh, earlier coverage of climate change back in the 80s, 90s, up, uh, up to the early 2000s, used that form of, of false balance. So um, that's somebody representing the scientific consensus and someone representing a skeptical position um, of, of that science. We, we've seen the last, maybe the last decade or so, um, news media moving away from that, from that um, form of balance, uh, recognizing that it was problematic, uh, following what we now call a consensus balance or, or, or consensus reporting, uh, which means that uh, these skeptic sources uh, are, are not given us uh, the space that were, they, they used to be given a, a few decades ago, a few years ago, uh, and if they are, uh, if, if the story demands uh, a skeptical voice, that it's put in, in context, that it's put in, in a way, that it's used in a way that suggests, clearly suggests that there is a consensus um, in, in the scientific community about climate change. Uh, and we see that happening in other issues as well. Um, and, and we can certainly see it in the, uh, in the context of the pandemic, or, um, although it's a little bit less um, um, certain, the, 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 the agreement in the scientific community but in the case of climate change, it's, it's pretty clear. Well, environmental issues are critical to our economy, our health, our quality of life. What is happening inside newsrooms that impacts news coverage of sensitive issues like these? Um, as you, you well know, um, news media in the United States and across, uh, across the world, across the many countries around the world, 
uh, are, are are in a stage of crisis, uh, mostly because of a of a inadequate business model. So news organizations are are in the position where they have to cover issues that that really sell. Uh, I mean, and this is not new, but we see that at least at the at the local level, um, news, newspapers are are disappearing uh, every single day. They are in their way to extinction. Uh, and that's highly problematic for 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 communities for 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 local reporting, and and we also see mainstream media organizations being impacted um, financially um, because of the rise of other forms of communication and, and a shifting attitudes towards towards news, as I mentioned earlier, um, distrust of news um, towards news sources, and that certainly has an effect on uh, revenue in the form of subscriptions and for in the form of advertising. So what what happened um, in the in the late '90s uh, and more recently in, in this uh, century is that many of these news organizations had to cut certain um, beats or central certain uh, areas in their newsrooms, uh, and for the most part, the specialized beats like environment, science, health were among the first to go. So we we went from having um, uh, specialized reporters, environmental or, or science reporters within newsrooms uh, in, in most news organizations to, to having basically none. Um, so there's a lot more reliance on freelancers today, uh, which could be problematic in the sense that um, many, of the, many of the freelancers might not have the same resources that, that a staff uh, reporter might have. And the same happens with, in terms of training of those journalists. And many of these freelancers have to report not only on science and environment, but they're reporting on a variety of different issues. And uh, the evidence suggests that um, reporting uh, on a topic frequently increases the, the quality of, of the reporting, improves the quality of the reporting. So, so it's important to have those dedicated journalists within newsrooms, but again, as I mentioned, uh, the financial uh, situation of many, many news organizations uh, does not allow allow them to have um, those journalists in their in their staff. So, what do you suggest audiences, viewers, readers look out for in the news coverage that they're consuming with regards to the environment? The, unfortunately, when we look at the at the content um, in uh, across news organizations, particularly mainstream media, which are still the main source of information for a lot of people, particularly television uh, here in the U.S., uh, we see that. Uh, issues, issues like climate change and other environmental issues, whether it's local pollution or local water pollution, uh, do not do not get sufficient coverage. Um, I mean, there were there have been some reports out there suggesting that uh, the total amount of coverage of some of these issues um, account for just a few minutes uh, per year, which is very very little. Um, now, if if that is the case, again, people are not going to recognize many of these uh, environmental issues as as important to their to their own health or their own well-being. Um, so. Um, these news organizations need to somewhat try to incorporate uh, environmental stories across all of the reporting. More, most of the climate change reporting that we're seeing now is, start, is trying to, to convey the urgency of the issue uh, in di different aspects of our, of our daily lives, whether it's sports uh, and, and, and you're in Canada. So I remember a few, few years ago, uh, some stories uh, coming out from Canada were um, there was a mild winter and, and lakes were not well, freezing. Uh, therefore, uh, ice hockey was was an issue. People, kids were not being able to play ice hockey because there were not enough ice. So, um, so those kind of stories certainly attract a lot of attention. 
The same happens when uh, you have um, celebrities, for example, um, talking about the environment. That certainly attracts quite a bit, quite a bit of attention. Um, so, but at the same time, there are challenges in in the reporting of of complex science-based issues like climate change if you are using um, a frame such as an entertainment frame. Uh, but it's a way to get people to to engage with with the issue. Now, what people should do or should try to do is because they are not finding that that content in in, their, in the mainstream media that makes that forces them to be more selective and have to um, seek out specialized reporting. Uh, so there are plenty now of, of environmental uh, news outlets out there uh, specializing on these topics, uh, doing great reporting, high quality reporting, but but they are they are more niche publications or niche uh, outlets. Therefore, uh, individuals have to go out of their way to try to find those sources, uh, making it really difficult to, to, to really um, make sense of what's going on in the world. Um, again, every single one of us, because of our uh, social media use, our, our, the use of our cell phones, where algorithms really dictate what we get um, in, our, in our newsfeed, makes it really complex for people to, to get, again, both sides to the story or multiple perspectives on the same issue. So what happens is people engage in, in what we call selective exposure, right? So we, we see people uh, seeking out new sources that already fit with their precon with, with individuals' preconceived notions and beliefs of an issue, uh, which reinforces again that, polar that idea of polarization that we're seeing here in the US. Um, so you, you only hear what, what confirms your, your beliefs. And, and that, that is certainly uh, problematic. Uh, or we engage in, in motivated reasoning, or we engage in in, um, in 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 psychological processes that that prevent us from uh, allowing other forms of uh, other forms of information, other positions to be part of our of our understanding of an issue. We will um, we will reject positions that are, are, are opposite to ours, um, and that's part of the tribalism that we're seeing here in the U.S. Um, fueled by the uh, partisan politics that we we see day to day. So so it's it's there's no single solution to this problem. The, the complexity of the problem uh, will not will not be solved by by more media literacy. It will be not solved by um, somewhat regulating social media, although although those things will help, uh, there's no uh, silver bullet for this problem. It's it's a it's a highly problematic uh, issue for, for democracy, uh, not only here in the US, but, but across the world. Well, the media undoubtedly has an enormous responsibility given its impact on the policies we establish and the daily choices that each of us make. Dr. Takahashi, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with Newspoint today. Very enlightening. It was a pleasure, Sharon. Thank you for hiring me. You've been listening to Newspoint 360, supported by Expert File, the world's largest open curated network of experts on over 40,000 subjects used by leading news organizations. Don't forget to review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. To see full video interviews with our guests, check out the Newspoint 360 channel on YouTube. Thanks for listening.